to the Unbridled Enthusiasm podcast. I am your host, Mark Poulos, as always. I uh, decided to lay down a uh, special Thanksgiving podcast, considering Thanksgiving was Thursday. Uh, a little behind on these podcasts, but uh, uh, hopefully I'm going to be able to catch up this week. Um, so yeah, Thanksgiving... Not too many crazy stories from my family, uh, Thanksgiving-wise, but uh, I've had a couple interesting stories where, because uh, early on in my comedy career, like I think most comedians, um, you find yourself just kind of taking any kind of work that comes along, and a lot of times that means having to work on holiday weeks and holiday weekends. Um, so I think for the first, like, four years that I did road stand-up comedy, I had to be gone on Thanksgiving, and, uh, a couple times had some, uh, interesting stories, <clears throat> but before I get into that, I'd just like to talk about last year, because last year was the first year, uh, that I hosted Thanksgiving with my wife, and, uh, I actually had to cook the turkey, and I don't know how many people out there have actually cooked the Thanksgiving turkey themselves, but uh, there's cert apparently certain things that you need to know that I didn't know and uh, felt kind of like an idiot. But uh, apparently when you get the turkey, uh, they like pull all of the innards out of the turkey, throw it in a bag, and then put it back in, which to me, seems very violent. I'm going to rip out all your organs, stuff them in a bag, and then put them back in you. How's that feel? So, uh, yeah, I, uh, I seasoned the turkey, and uh, I basted it and everything, and prepped the oven, and tossed it in there. About 11 minutes later, my wife's like, something is on fire. And I was like, what the fuck? So I pull it out, and it's like smoking. I call my mom up. I'm like, is there something special that you need to do with a turkey? Do you need to, like, rub it down with uh, butter all over it so it doesn't light on fire? Or, And she goes, well, you did take the bag of innards out of it, didn't you? And I was like, there's a bag of innards? So I had to pull out all the spices I put in the cavity and pull out the stuffing and I had to get this giant bag of innards out of the cavity and I don't know about you man like I love meat I will never be a vegetarian I love meat but cooking a turkey man when you have to stick your hand up into the cavity of the animal it's just a little too graphic for me anyway so I get the bag of innards out of there put the turkey back together and I put it back in there so we're sitting in the living room and my wife is like something is still on fire well not only 
uh, is there a bag of innards? Apparently under, uh, and I'm air quoting here, the neck flap, there is another bag of like gizzards or something. I don't know. So I call my mom back and I'm like, it is still on fire. Is there another bag of, uh, is there another bag of uh, organs somewhere in this turkey? And she goes, well, sometimes they put a bag of stuff under the neck flap. And I just, oh my God, every time somebody said neck flap, I started like gagging. So I pull the turkey out again, lift the neck flap, and uh, there's a bag of what could only be described as uh, neck testicles and uh, so I pulled those out and then we were on our way and uh, I do say so myself I cooked a pretty good turkey however I was a little nervous because uh, when my mom would always cook the turkey she'd put it in at like 8 in the morning and then it would never be done until like 7 or 8 at night so I was like nervous that the turkey wasn't going to get done in time so I threw it in at like 6 in the morning, and what I didn't realize was the oven at my parents' house is very, it was very uh, shitty, and our oven at our house is pretty brand new. We bought it last year, so that turkey was done by like 11.30, and nothing else was even close to being done. And uh, carving the turkey, that's a whole other bag of worms, my God. I watched, and, you know, don't fucking laugh at me, all right? I watched an instructional video on YouTube on how to carve a turkey, because I don't know. I don't know how you carve a turkey. You're supposed to pull its legs off. and It's a very, uh, very graphic thing when you're carving a turkey. you got to rip its legs off and its wings and then slice its chest and put it on a plate. But goddamn, is it good. Oh, man, is that shit good. Nice turkey sandwich with some stuffing on it and gravy. Turkey stuffy gravy sandwich. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. It doesn't get much better than that. So, uh, yeah, that was my first forte. And then I had to carve the turkey this year, and I still had no idea what the fuck I was doing. My mom was helping me with it, and they give you that uh, electronic knife or whatever. And all it really does is just completely mutilate the turkey. I don't even know the purpose of it, because it's like... I don't know if you've ever had one of those electric knives, but it's like two blades that go back and forth, and all that really happens is the turkey gets ripped apart. It doesn't really get sliced at all, so it's just a bunch of BS, if you ask me. But uh, So I think it was like the first year that I went on the road. I had to go uh, out on Thanksgiving, and I actually had a uh, Thanksgiving show, which was uh, in Paducah, Kentucky. And if you're going to spend Thanksgiving anywhere, spend it in Paducah, Kentucky, because you will feel better about your life uh, immediately. So uh, another thing you don't really think about, and it's just kind of stupid, but you should think about, is the fact that like everything's closed on Thanksgiving. So I woke up that night... And I was like, ah, I'll go get some dinner someplace, have a nice, you know, quiet Thanksgiving dinner at the Burger King, because that was the only thing that was open. And then I went and did the show that night. And uh, it was surprisingly really busy, because, you know, 
any comedy show that happens uh, on Thanksgiving night, I feel like would be really busy because nothing else is open and people are with their families and they're always kind of looking for something to do. That's why they say movie theaters are really busy Thanksgiving night, casinos, bars, there's just nothing to do. So people want to go out. So, uh, so the place was packed out and, uh, Apparently, it just so happened that that bar was the only bar that was open in town that night. So a lot of people that were in there weren't necessarily there for the comedy show. They were just kind of there because it was the only bar that was open. But so I go on stage, and there's a table right in front. There's probably like eighteen people sitting at it, and they they could give two shits about the comedy club. They just talking and chatting and laughing and whatever and. And I just kind of, at first I tried to kind of ignore it because I didn't want to deal with it. So I was just doing my show and they were just being, getting worse and worse and worse. So finally I just, I, I snapped and I was just like, you know, can you guys shut the fuck up? And the whole table just stopped and stared at me. And the guy goes, what the hell did you just say to us? And I go, uh, there's a comedy show going on. All these people including yourselves, have paid $5 to see this comedy show. And the guy's like, I'll stop you right there. We're not here to see a comedy show. We're here to drink. And I go, well, this is the wrong bar for you guys because <clears throat> at the time I was just opening. And I go, I still have 20 minutes left, and there's another comedian that's coming up here to do an hour after me. I'm like, you're in the wrong bar because you guys need to shut the fuck up. And uh, the guy actually stood up and made a move to the stage, and then security was on him, and... The whole uh, the whole table was asked to leave, and everybody started clapping and cheering, and you know, doing the whole, you know, na 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 goodbye. And uh, so I finished up my show, and I was just kind of hanging out by the bar, and uh, uh, I was like, "Well, I think I'm gonna head out." And the bouncer goes, "Maybe you should stay here for a little bit." And I said, "Why?" And he goes, because uh, all those guys that you threw out, they're all waiting outside to punch you in the face. And I was like, oh, that sounds nice. What a nice Thanksgiving present. So uh, I actually had to wait in the bar until bar closed, and then security walked me to my car. And when we got out there, there was no, they had already left. You know, Surprisingly, drunk people lose interest in things really quickly. <clears throat> Sorry, just uh, readjusting my seat. My legs fell asleep. <laughs> but uh, so I was trying to think of a cup. There was one time. So right around the time that uh, I was starting in stand-up comedy, I was still working uh, the night shift at Mystic Lake Casino dealing blackjack. And... Uh, at, at this time, I was kind of on the fence whether or not I wanted to stay at the casino for a little bit longer or just quit and dive headfirst into stand-up. So I was kind of trying to keep my options open. So I, uh, what happened is, uh, so at the casino, uh, holidays are, are pretty big time for people to come out there and and also like everybody wants them off because they're holidays so they always have problems finding people to work on holidays 
Um, so basically the structure there was that you were on a point system, which I think a lot of businesses are on a point system. So if you uh, are late to work, it's half a point. If you call into work, it's a point. If uh, you don't even show up for work, it's like five points. And then at like certain levels, you get suspensions. And at 10 points, you get fired. So when I left on this trip, uh, I had half a point on my record. I was like late one time, so I had half a point. So I tried my darndest to get the whole week of Thanksgiving off, and uh, I got the whole week off except for one day. So um, if you call in on a holiday, instead of it being a point, it's like three points, and you get a two-day suspension or something like that. So I was like, that's not that big of a deal. Like, if I'm able to go off and do this comedy, you know, it'll be a lot better than than missing it so I just made the determination that I was going to go do it and then just focus and make sure that I make that phone call and get the three points in the suspension so funny enough I was out in Kentucky again I don't know why I went to Kentucky so many times on Thanksgiving back in the beginning of my career but I did so I was doing this run of shows I was going from like uh Prestonburg, Kentucky to like Charleston, West Virginia or something like that. But Thanksgiving night, the show was in uh, Prestonburg, Kentucky, and it actually was like an amazing show. Packed out, people had a blast. They ended up getting me uh, ripped to the wall with shots and everything. So Thanksgiving night was the night that I had to make the phone call that I was because I worked night shift so I would go in at 2 a.m. and I would work till 10 a.m. so the 2 a.m. to 10 a.m. shift shift on Friday was the one that I couldn't get off because they just didn't have anybody so uh, I had to make sure that I made the phone call by at least uh, I think it was like 4 4 o'clock 4 a.m. because at 4 a.m. and one minute they consider you a no-call, no-show, which is basically like you just didn't show up to work. And that was like pretty major. That was it was like nine points or something like that or five. I don't know what it is on a holiday, but I remember it's pretty serious. So at this point, I had worked at the casino for about three years, and I had never in my entire career no-called, no-showed. So... After the show, I'm chatting with these people, and we're partying, and we're doing shots, and whatever, and I completely forget that I'm supposed to make this phone call, and I get absolutely wasted to the point that I am so drunk that I fell asleep on a table in the bar, like, not, like, laying on the table, like, I was sitting in a chair and, like, put my head in my, my arm and, and passed out, and, uh... I actually slept that way for, I think they told me, like two and a half hours. Because when I woke up, because the bar was in the hotel that I was staying at, so it wasn't that big of a deal. But um, when I woke up, the entire bar was empty, and I was the only one still in the bar, and there was a lady vacuuming around all the tables, and all the chairs were up on the table except for mine because I was still sitting in it. So when I woke up, you know, I just... uh, kind of 
snuck out of there feeling a little embarrassed, but I was wasted. And uh, I fell asleep, and I woke up the next morning. It was like 10 in the morning, and I looked at my phone, and I had some ridiculous amount of missed calls. It was like 32 missed calls because they thought I was dead because for three years I had never not shown up or at least called or whatever so I call back in and they're like god so glad to hear your voice we thought you were dead and I go no I'm sorry I just uh I forgot to make the phone call and I am just completely wasted and so they ended up giving me like I ended up getting nine points so I had nine and a half points so when I came back to work I was just like you know, I think this is just a sign. So I, uh, I, uh, I just put in my two weeks notice and, uh, and that was the end of it. But what was funny is I put in my two weeks notice and then they gave me a two week suspension. So I just was like, well, it was nice working here. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, that, uh, wow. That was December 10th which is going to be my daughter's, like, she'll be five months on December 10th. And that was the day that I left my full-time job to be a professional stand-up comedian. That's so wild. That was 11 years ago. So wild. I still remember that day, just walking out of that place. And, uh... The interesting thing about it was I left on uh, December 10th, and I was feeling pretty good because, you know, um, I had the holidays off, and I hadn't had the holidays off, and I couldn't even remember, like, because at the casino, sometimes I had to work Christmas Day, or I'd have to work Christmas Eve, or, you know, it just kind of sucked. It was whatever, and before that, um, the job I was working was... uh, I was doing video editing at a news place, and uh, I always had to work um, either Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, and so I was pretty excited to have the whole holidays off, but I mean, I wasn't freaking out a ton because I had a bunch of comedy work booked out like January, February, March, and April, but none of the actual comedy work kicked in until like you know the 6th of January so it was like almost a month where I had nothing going on and whoa I still remember like every day just thinking to myself man did I make the right decision here like because you know when you don't have any money coming in from any side you know you start judging your decisions pretty quickly so I was just like, oh, man, I made a horrible decision. But once that first gig kicked in in January and I hit the road and uh, started making okay money because that first year that I was a, a full-time comedian where I had no other job, I think I made something ridiculous like $12,000 where... At the casino, I it was a normal full-time job, so I was making like 35 a year. 
so I had uh, gotten rid of my apartment and moved back in with my parents because the idea was that I was just going to hit the road and and not uh, have any encumbrances and uh, that's basically what I did so <clears throat> there was another time where uh, I got sent to uh, Des Moines, Iowa for uh, Thanksgiving and uh, I remember that was another time where we did, uh, it was Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday that week, and we did shows um, on Wednesday night, Thanksgiving night, and then Friday and Saturday, and all of them were packed. Um, I was opening for uh, Jimmy J.J. Walker from Good Times. God, what a fucking douchebag. I don't know if anybody has ever worked with J.J. Walker, but I'm sorry, man. He's a complete douchebag. I walked in, this is a funny story, so, um, I walk in, and, uh, I bring my t-shirts that I sell after the show, and my CDs and stuff, and I put them in the green room, and I'm just kind of chatting with people, and it was my first time there, so I'm just meeting everybody, then the show starts, and I haven't met Jimmy yet, he hasn't shown up to the, the show or anything, so I go on stage, and I'm doing my comedy and stuff, and then I get to the end of my show where I'm going to pitch the t-shirts that I'm selling, so I hold up the first t-shirt and, you know, read read the stuff on it, and the crowd laughs and whatever, and then I, as I'm grabbing for, because I sell like four different shirts after the show, so I go to grab the next shirt, and uh, I hear somebody go, psst, and I turn around, and the waitress is at the front of the stage, and she's holding a napkin, and usually, uh, to pull the curtain back from stand-up comedy, is usually if a waitress is handing you a napkin, it's got a note on it. Sometimes it's like, you know, the headliner's not here, do more time, or, you know, that joke you just did offended a lot of people, so get the fuck off the stage type of thing. So since I hadn't seen Jimmy yet, I just assumed that the napkin was going to say, like, he's running late, his plane didn't land, you know, like, do some extra time or something like that, and I I was just baffled when I read the napkin. The napkin said, uh, stop selling your shirts, Jimmy J.J. Walker, that's what it said. (laughs) So I looked at it, and I look in the back of the room, and I, I see the owner back there, and he's like giving me the cut sign across my neck, like, quit, quit selling your fucking shirts. And I was like, what the hell is going on? So it was just so funny and awkward. I like was holding the shirt and I go, so anyways, and all the crowd just starts murmuring. And they're like, aren't you going to show what the rest of your shirts say? And I go, ah, no, I don't think so. I, I've decided not to sell them the show. And everybody starts laughing. And the guy goes, seriously, aren't you going to show what the shirts say? And I go, ah, you know, I got to move on. I'm I'm running out of time. And the crowd just starts going crazy. They just start chanting, show the shirts, show the shirts, show the shirts. So I just quick ran through the rest of them and uh, did my last couple bits. And I got off stage and I was just all kind of disappointed and pissed off so I went in the green room and got my bag of shirts and stuff and just started rolling them out of the club and the the owner of the club is like hey you can't sell those and I said yeah I understand that's why I'm taking them out to my car and he's like oh okay okay 
Anyways, I, I actually I made him sound like a dick. He was actually a really nice guy. He's passed away now, but and he actually uh, took me and uh, and Jimmy to his house, his family Thanksgiving that day, which was uh, you know sometimes you you know you. You, you feel you find stuff on the road where people are just very genuine and and nice to you and stuff and i just always th- you know remember fondly back to that like i don't know if there's many club owners that would actually take the comedians that are working at his club to his family's house for thanksgiving um it was just an amazing thing so um so anyways, basically, Jimmy J.J. Walker's a douchebag because he doesn't let anybody else sell on his shows, which, to each their own. I understand the thought process behind not allowing any other comedians to sell on your show, but it just blows my mind. I mean, the feature's making half the money. They're spending all the money on gas, and they're trying to make things work. Why? Like That's why I've always said, when I became a headliner... I would never ban anybody from selling, even if their stuff was a hundred times better than mine. Even if we did an entire week together and they sold thousands of dollars worth of stuff and I sold nothing. Like, I never wanted to make a comedian feel the way that I felt the three or four times uh, that comics told me that I couldn't sell. I mean, I've just drove like 10 hours, I've spent all this money and thinking like oh i'm gonna recoup some of these costs by like selling t-shirts and then they're like no you can't sell t-shirts i think one of the funniest ones and uh god bless jeff johnson for this i don't know if you guys work for jeff johnson or know who he is but he's an amazing uh booker and club owner really nice guy i feel like one of my good friends but i worked his club one time as a feature and the headliner was this guy uh uh, Mitchell Walters, he was, I guess, part of the, the Outlaws crew with Sam Kinison. And uh, I guess Jeff was kind of at the end of his rope with this guy, that he was being kind of a douchebag. And uh, so I come in, and at the time I was just selling CDs. So I had my box of CDs, and he goes, uh, what do you got there? And I go, well, it's my CDs. And he goes, well, you better turn around and go put those back in your car because you won't be selling them this week. And I was like, what? And he goes, yeah, I don't let uh, anybody sell any CDs on my show. And most times in that scenario, I would just accept it, you know, just be like, all right, whatever. But since Jeff was a really good friend of mine, and I know that he's kind of pro-comedian, like he doesn't doesn't really like when other comics ban other comics from selling stuff in his club. So I just kind of brought it to his attention. I was like, this guy's saying that I can't sell CDs. And Jeff's like, oh, you can sell CDs. I don't care. I was like, oh, okay. So he comes off stage from his set that night, and I got my little cell area set up, and he's like, what the fuck is this? He goes, I told you, get rid of these CDs. You're not selling them. And I said, well, actually, I talked to the club owner, and he doesn't allow comics to ban other comics from selling. So I'm going to just sell here. And he's like, unbelievable. He goes, I do all the work and you reap all the benefits. And by the way, horrible comedian. I I think he wrote his act in uh, 1984 and he hasn't changed a word since. Um, and it was funny too because there was uh, 
there was a couple that were looking at his t-shirt that they wanted to buy it. It was just a stupid t-shirt. And uh, one of the waitresses came over and, and she kind of like motioned to the people that were at his uh, cell table saying that they had like a $60 tab and they tipped her a, a five cents. She was like, man, these people are cheapskate. So I just, I hate that. I hate when people don't tip, especially like the waitresses in the comedy club, because I feel like it's kind of a collaborative effort. And, you know, if everybody's having a good time, they should be taking care of the wait staff or whatever. So I just start making these loud comments like, oh, I can't believe that. What person will leave you a nickel as a tip? What a fucking cheapskate, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just going on and on. And I kind of keep glancing towards them. And I see them kind of look over their shoulder at me. And the wife looks at the husband and just kind of jabs him with the elbow and is like, get the, let's get the fuck out. So they just get out of there. And uh, Mitchell got all pissed, but I was just like, fuck that, man. These people were assholes. But, uh, oh, back to uh, Jimmy J.J. Walker. So he doesn't let anybody sell on his show, which is fine, whatever. And... Uh, He's got a big thing about the whole dynamite thing that he does. Like, he refuses to say it on stage in any form. Uh, if if somebody is being like belligerent in the audience and they just keep saying dynamite, he has it in their in his contract that that person has to be ejected from the show immediately. And uh, so he's got all these rules and regulations against dynamite. And what does this motherfucker sell after the show? He sells uh, a shirt, one size. You have one choice. He, all he has is extra large. If you're a medium, a large, a 2X, a 3X, you're SOL because all he has is extra large. And uh, the shirt has a picture of him on the front of it holding two sticks of dynamite that are lit and a giant thing that says dynamite underneath him. And that's what he sells after the show. It should say hypocrite, not dynamite. <laughs> That's what it should say. But uh, yeah, so that was the uh, that was one of the other Thanksgivings that I was uh, gone on the road. I don't think there was many other Thanksgivings that I that I've had to be gone. Um, I kind of try now with the family and everything to be home for Thanksgiving because you know it's. Uh, it's not really necessary to be gone, and so, um, yeah, so that's, I think, about it for this uh, special edition Thanksgiving podcast. Um, as always, if you want to check out more of my stuff, you can go to largedrunkman.com. Uh, my Twitter is at largedrunkman. My Facebook is largedrunkman. This podcast, largedrunkman, on my uh, my three comedy cds are going to be on pandora in a couple weeks so make sure you uh sign up for the mark pulo station on uh on pandora um back when i was trying to do uh funny songs as a guitar comedian um i had a bunch of funny songs so i put all those up on soundcloud so if you want to hear all the funny songs that i wrote uh through the years in the comedy albums just go to SoundCloud, Mark Poulos. Um, yeah, so that's about it. 
And uh, thank you again for uh, listening to this podcast and enjoying it and giving me the feedback. Um, Tune in next time when we talk about who knows.